The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a drive to deep right, away back, UltimateSportsTalk.com now presents the longest-running Internet radio program in America, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, a comprehensive look at the Cleveland Indians and Cincinnati Reds. For the sixth consecutive season, we examine each team and their progress through the 2016 season. And now, the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the final week of Spring Training 2016. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show here on UltimateSportsTalk.com, the longest-running Internet radio show in America today. And, of course, this is our show where we talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds, and a lot to discuss as we head into the final week. The Indians have made their final preparations to their opening day roster, so have the Reds. The Reds have even announced who their opening day starter will be. The Indians did that a couple of weeks ago. But to talk about the Reds, let's go down south to parts unknown with our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue. Mark, how are things going down in Reds land this week? Well, things are great, Dave, because right now, like every other team in baseball, the Reds are tied for first. <laughs> and uh, that's, it's going to be that way until probably around, uh, I don't know, 7 o'clock next Monday night. Uh, but we'll see what happens then. But... Uh, <clears throat> a lot to talk about with the Reds, uh, a lot of changes in the roster this year, a lot of pessimism about the Reds. Uh, it, it seems to be that <clears throat> everywhere you look, everywhere you read, uh, everybody is picking the Reds to finish not only last, but a distant last in the National League Central. And uh, I'm going to talk about today how the Reds, uh, in a few minutes, we're going to be talking about how the Reds can avoid that. What has to happen with this team to avoid losing a hundred games, which the Dayton Daily News said they would today, and uh, Hal McCoy said they would yesterday. So uh, let's uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a few minutes. But uh, it's exciting. One more week, and we start our baseball. Well, Mark, you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about how nice the weather was on a certain Monday evening. And then we kind of joked around that when opening day comes around on April 4th, a week from tonight, which, by the way, a week from tonight is also our prediction show. So uh, stay tuned for that, as Mark and I always put a steak dinner that we never seem to even up on. Uh, it's always double or nothing, and I think we're pretty much even on it. But nonetheless, that'll be next next Monday night. But, Mark, you know, I was down in your area this weekend to visit Greg, who, of course, lives down in the Cincinnati area. Just a gorgeous Easter Sunday, wasn't it, down there? Beautiful. 77 degrees in Dayton. I don't know what it was in Cincinnati, but great day. 74 degrees down in Cincinnati also, uh, where Greg lives. And, boy, it was just a gorgeous day to be out for Easter and go to church and go to Easter egg hunts and things like that. But then I looked at the weather for next Monday, Mark. And in Cleveland, it's supposed to be 39 degrees and a possibility of snow. Yeah, I looked today, though. I thought the same thing for around here. But the forecast is for sunny and 67 degrees. Wow. Well, there's a big difference. It must be right around the Columbus line where everything is going to change. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, you're right because I looked at the forecast because they, they had warned everybody around here that we could have snow next week. And then I got on the 15-day forecast, and they said that, that cold front is going to dip down. It will cover Cleveland, but it's going to stop right in the middle of the state, and hopefully it won't come as far south as Cincinnati. Right there in Columbus. That's where it's going to be. And, of course, you know, we, we've got the games set up for next Monday. Of course, the Reds are going to open up against Philadelphia on Monday afternoon. The Indians are going to open up at home against the Boston Red Sox on Monday afternoon. And then both teams are taking Tuesday off. And then they finish up their opening series three-game set on Wednesday and Thursday. So, it, it, you know, I, I, we've never really been able to understand, Mark, why these teams are going to open up at home in April when they should be opening up somewhere out on the West Coast? Well, I think with the Reds, first of all, it's tradition. <clears throat> you know, If you recall, not that long ago, the Reds uh, were the only opening day game. The Reds and whomever they played 
And everybody else waited today because the Reds, of course, are the first professional team in baseball. And for as long as I was growing up, I think all the way up until the 90s, uh, the Reds always opened the big league season. Well, that's gone by the boards now, but I think the, the long-standing tradition of the Reds having a home opener has only been broken, I think, once. And I believe that was in 1990 when they their first three games, I think, with Philadelphia, as a matter of fact, were rained out. And they had to go to Houston, and they opened up the series, the, 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 the open up the season in Houston, and of course went on to win the uh, the World Series that year. Mark, you know, I don't like the fact that baseball has gone away from the Reds being the team that opens up every season. I know they tried to get around it. That, that was Bud Selig all the way. You know, he he tried to disperse it around to different teams that they could be the first team to open up the season. But it was just always tradition for as long as I can remember where the Reds opened up every season, every year. Yeah, so I've only been to one opening game, and it was, I think, in 1961, again, when the Reds won the pennant in 61. And a friend of mine, a friend of my dad's, got tickets, and we went down. And it's really an event. If you've never gone opening day in Cincinnati, it really is like no other. Uh, it, the, the festivities before the, the, the Finley Market Parade, all the things that happened downtown that day, the city in essence closes. And at one time, the mayor of Cincinnati had floated a proposition to make that a uh, literally a holiday down there. Oh, it should be. Yeah, it should. I'm surprised it wasn't. I'm surprised it wasn't that already. Yeah, I, I, I think the school. I mean, they were going to have, close the schools and all that because most of the kids aren't paying attention anyway. So why, you know, why not make it uh, a holiday for Cincinnati? But it, it never got passed. Well, Mark, you might as well take the next 15 minutes off because let's get into talking about opening day rosters and who's going to be the opening day pitcher. We'll do that for both teams. But before we get into the Reds, I'm going to call squatters rights here and get into the Indians because I am just thoroughly disgusted by what they've done. I mean, just thoroughly, thoroughly disgusted. Are you still, More wait, so, wait, wait, wait. Are you still mad because they traded Jim Tomei? No, I'm not mad about that. Well, they didn't trade Jim Tomey in the first place. He just left because he was a free agent. Okay. No, what what I am upset about is they sent Giovanni Urshela to the minors. Now, Mark, this smacks, and I'm going to use my hands right now, it smacks of what this team did a year ago, and I could contend, Mark, that last year when Francisco Lindor who hands down won the starting shortstop job, and they sent him down to the minor leagues for whatever reason. I don't care what the reason. He won the starting shortstop's job, and they sent him to the minor leagues. And I could sit there, Mark, and I could tell you that the two and a half months that they spent fiddly farting around with Jose Ramirez at shortstop is what cost them the playoffs because they finished three games out of the playoffs and Francisco Lindor came on June 15th and that's when this team started turning things around around the July 1st area because it took Lindor a couple of weeks to get ready to play Major League Baseball and get over the the nervousness that of course a rookie is going to have. Now Urshela proved last year that he belongs in the Major Leagues. Does it look like it from his stats? No. But when you watch the kid play over the 81 games that he played at third base, Mark, when he and Lindor were teamed up on the left side of that infield at third and short, it improved that team from a squad that the year before in 2014 was the worst defensive team in baseball to, and I'm not joking, one of the best defensive teams in Major League Baseball in the last three months of last year. And that's what spurred this team on. Now, if this team, Mark, is a team that's built around pitching, if this team, Mark, is a team that many people believe is a World Series contender, I don't happen to be one of them, but many people think that they are, then this front office has got to start 
believing in this team and what they've got and start breaking camp with the best team that they can, not with reclamation projects like Uribe. Now, Mark, he was the Dodgers' third baseman. The Dodgers couldn't wait to get rid of him. He went to the Mets as a stopgap a year ago, waiting for David Wright to come back from his back injury. Juan Uribe is not a guy that you can win a World Series with on a full-time basis. He wasn't with the Giants, he wasn't with the Dodgers, and he wasn't with the Mets. And I'm, it's just another case, Mark, of the Indians' hierarchy picking up a reclamation project. They do this once a year. It's like 2001, Mark, when they picked up Juan Gonzalez. And they brought him in for one year, and he hit 30 home runs, drove in 90 runs, and then he left and went to the Tigers. They seem to think that they can pull this off every year. Three years ago, Mark, it was the left-hander, Scott Kazmir, that they brought in as a reclamation project. Yeah, he did that. He he was fine. But then you've got the guys like like Gavin Floyd. Who remembers him anymore? He's not, I think he's in Major League Baseball, Mark, I can't tell you where. But it's, it's like it's a reclamation project year after year after year that they want to do. And they do it, Mark, at the, the, the detriment of the rookies that they have coming up. Last year it was Lindor. This year it's Urshela. I told you last year when we talked about Lindor not coming not making the major league roster. I'm tired of these guys playing mind games with their rookies. And that's what they do constantly. I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I don't like the fact that Uribe is the starting third baseman. I never thought they needed to sign this guy. I know you're going to try to talk me down off the ledge. It's not going to happen because then I'm going to get into Jabba Chamberlain. Well, Jabba Chamberlain is a little different issue, okay? But let's back up the boat a little bit here. <laughs> First of all, you make this statement that I don't agree with. I didn't agree with it last year. I'm not going to agree with it next year. That sending a guy like Ursella down to the minor leagues is a detriment to him. It's not. It wasn't a detriment to Lindor last year. And you can't prove a negative because you don't know what he would have done if he had come up earlier in the year. But he had a great year last year. So you can't make the argument that him coming up later hurt him because it didn't. Now, before we get any further into this discussion, and because I don't want you to have a stroke, <laughs> is there any kind of – your salad your played enough games last year, so he's not he's not impacted by the, the, the free agent uh, rule. He, Correct. Okay. So it's strictly a decision, a player decision that the Indians made that it's not about money. It's it's only about can he make the contribution to the team that you really can. Now, isn't that the bottom line? I, I would say that yes, and I would agree with you. I would agree with you very seriously that yes, that is what it is. Okay. So let's, again, what is the detriment to having a rookie – or a guy, I guess he's not officially a rookie, although maybe officially he is still a rookie, even after 81 games. But nevertheless, nevertheless, it, I don't think it hurts him to be sent down. And Uribe does have, what, 14 years experience in the major leagues? Yeah, this, this, this is his 13th year in the major leagues. Okay, so the guy plays good defense. You're right, he's not going to be a guy to hit 330. But he can hit you 265, 275. He can drive in some big runs. He's good in the clubhouse. All those things. So I think you might be crying before you're hurt because I think what they could do is bring your seller up sometime in late April or May. And if he's playing well in the minor leagues, then what's, what's the harm to get the pressure off him? Let him go down there and play regularly for two or three weeks. And, and then come up. What's, what's the downside? Mark, the harm is this. 
any rookie, and they saw it last year with Lindor. Now they're seeing it with Urshela. And this is where I am very, very perturbed at the Indians' front office. Any rookie, Bradley Zimmer, Tyler Naquin, Tyler Naquin made the team, okay? He he earned his spot on the team, just like Urshela did. But then you've got you've got your other guys that have come up throughout the years that are number one draft picks that the Indians are looking at. They're looking at spring training, Mark, and spring training means absolutely nothing anymore. You cannot win a position on the Indians' opening day roster if you're a rookie unless they grace you with making the opening day roster in December. If they think you, if they want to grace you with the, with the chance, Naquin they got stuck with. Naquin had no possibility of making this opening day roster. You and I both knew it. Abraham Almonte was going to be the starting center fielder for this team based upon, Mark, what he did in the second half of the season, which is where the Indians are being hypocritical. Because Urshela did a great job at third base for this team. What did he, he hit? Came into, what did he hit? Last year? Yeah. That's what I said. His stats weren't that good, but defensively this guy shone for this team. 225, six homers, 21 RBIs in 81 ball games, batting ninth. Dave, he's a ninth place hitter on a team that can win the World Series by your own this team can't win the World no. Series. No, I did not say they could. No. I said many people think they could. I'm not one of them. That's fine. This team can't win the World Series. And I'll tell you why. The front office won't let them. Dave, assuming that you're not an expert, which I, I think you might be, but assuming you're not, and, and you say that other people think the Indians can win the World Series, then... If other people say it, then the front office must believe they can. Now you're their actions prove otherwise. No, they don't. A guy yes, hit, they do. A guy hit two twenty five last year, and you're going going apoplectic over a guy because he's he's a good fielding third baseman hit who hit. No, I'm going apoplectic over the guy because he came in to training camp this year, bat, batted three oh eight in spring training, led the team in home runs, led the team in RBIs, five home runs, 12 RBIs. He won the job at third base. Won it, Mark, just like Lindor did at shortstop last year, and they've done the same thing to Urshela this year. Only it's worse this year because Urshela was up at the major league level a year ago. Dave? He's won that third base job. Dave? First of all, you said two things that you're contradicting yourself on. First of all, spring training never, ever, ever is an indicator of what somebody's going to do in the regular season, good or bad. Then how do you win a job at the major league level? You you do it four years in advance. That's how you do it. You hit. In other words, the front office graces you with their no. opinion in December no. No. that you no. can make the opening day roster. No, that... It doesn't matter what you do in the 30 games. Would you like me to answer the question? Go ahead. Okay. You do not win a starting rotation or a starting spot in the lineup what you do in spring training. You do it four years in advance. It's what you do in A-ball, two years in double-A or two years in triple-A. It's, it's your accumulative statistics that will lead a general manager or a manager to say, that's our guy. A guy who hit 225 last year in 81 games is not going to be a deal maker to me. A deal, he's not going to be a deal changer. Uribe has played in the World Series. He's played on pennant contending teams for, for years and years and years. He's going to hit more than 225. I guarantee it. So I don't think the Indians are making a dumb move. It's because the guys had six home runs in spring training. Who cares? That doesn't mean anything. Who cares? Yeah. The rookies that are fighting for a major league job, just like you said, two or three years down the road. A Bradley Zimmer, for example. Okay? This guy, he can come in next year and he can hit the lights off the baseball. And he's got, and the Indians have shown this the last two years, he's got absolutely no shot at winning a position on this baseball team. Why? No shot at all. What, what what level was he at last year? At last year? 
Uh, Zimmer played half the year at single A, half the year at double A. What were his statistics? That I can't tell you right now because I I don't have them up. Well, that's but I can tell you that he's their he was one of their number one draft picks <laughs> three years ago. He's one of the coveted guys that they've got. He's one of the coveted guys on Major League Baseball's top 100 prospects. And what I'm saying is is that until the Indians actually come out in December and say he's got a shot at making the ball club, he's got no shot at making the ball club. Dave, I, I don't get your argument because. This guy, you, he played 81 games for the Indians last year, and granted, let's stipulate he played a very good third base. But hitting 225 in 81 games would not make my heart beat faster. Mark, when, what, what was, what were Joe Morgan's stats the year before he came to the Reds from the Houston Astros? They weren't very good. Everybody was complaining about that deal too. I can go back and I can talk about players that didn't have a very good rookie year and then blossomed in their sophomore year. Same as what you could do is you could say, hey, they had a great rookie year and then they stunk up the joint. They had the sophomore jinx. I'm not saying the fact that Urshela had great stats. As a matter of fact, I said it right off the top. His stats were not that much. He did he did things in the field and at the plate that you cannot measure statistically. But during training camp, he came out, Mark, and he did what he needed to do to win the job. And what did the Indians do? They poo-pooed it. Walked away from it. He was one of the guys that was contributed to this team a year ago, and they just threw all that out the window to bring in some castaway from other teams over a 13-year career. Well, we can debate this all night. If I were the, <laughs> if I were the Indians, I would have done the same damn thing. I would have rather have Uribe at third base, uh, holding down that for me until this kid could hit more than 225 in the bigs, and this idea that you're going to anoint somebody out of spring training makes no sense at all. If, if you want to make an argument about this, go back and check his stats over the last three or four years in the minor leagues. That's well, he's one of the best hitters that they've had in the minor leagues over the last three or four well, that's years. Why they that's why they up. brought him up a year ago. That, that's true, but he hit two twenty five. Yeah, in his, fresh, in his freshman year, Mark. Okay. You know, I, that's fine. My, my whole thing is, you know, I had a high school basketball coach tell me years and years ago, and I think you'll agree with this. If the junior has just as much talent and is at the same level as the senior, you have got to go with the junior because you've got more room for growth because you've got extra years out of him. What the Indians have here is a guy in Giovanni Urshela who can play at the same level as Juan Uribe, and they can keep their salary structure lower, and they can build something out of this guy. You know, when Jim Tomey came up, nobody expected what Jim Tomey did. Nobody. When he first came up, they did not expect that out of him. He blossomed. You know, I'm going to use Joe Morgan again as a, as an example. When Joe Morgan came to the Reds, Mark, and you'll have to agree with this, what they got out of Joe Morgan, they never expected. Of course They not. had no idea what he could do. Of course not, but you're, you're comparing apples with oranges. Right now, everybody that I have read, and in preparation for our show next week, I got online, and I, I think I looked at 15 or 16 predictions from ESPN to, ESA, to Sports Illustrated, and they had the Indians finishing first or second in the division, every one of them. So the Indians, by everybody else's estimation, maybe except yours, they have a chance to certainly compete for the division, maybe win the pennant. And you know, once you get in the playoffs, all bets are off. You can win the World Series. Right. So a lot of people think the Indians are a team that can make – a run in the playoffs, and you want to put a rookie in there. Where your where your point, I think, could be made is with the Reds. The Reds are a team that are they're not even in, in in the same league as the Indians in terms of talent. The Reds will not win the division this year. They're not going to be close. So in that case, I would say, okay, take a chance on a rookie. Put him in there. What, what do you got to lose? You're going to be in last place anyway. Why bring in Uribe? I wouldn't do that. I would play a rookie there, but not to a team that has a chance to win the division and go to the World Series. Mark, let me put up one more stat for you. 
when Urshela and Lindor were on the left side of that infield, and I don't care about the only stat I care about is winning. Wins and losses, that's all I care about. When Urshela and Lindor were on the left side of the infield for the Indians in the final 81 games of the year, the Indians had the third best record in the American League. Okay, so what's your point? My point is the Indians are not breaking this year with the best team that they could put on the field. They're breaking it with a subpar team because why? Because they're afraid Urshela may not be able to hit a major league curveball. I don't know. They haven't given any explanation as to why they sent this guy down. And to be honest with you, Mark, the media in Cleveland, we've talked about it. They really don't care. You can't get any answers out of anybody as far as the Indians are concerned. You know, the Indians made this announcement over the weekend. And what are we talking about in morning radio around Cleveland? We're talking about RG3 being the quarterback of the Browns. That's what we're talking about in morning radio. So you don't get any of this. If anybody wants to listen about what's going on with the Indians in this area, they got to listen to this show because there's nobody up in Cleveland that's talking about it. Nonetheless, you've got a team here. Why in the world, if you've got the third best record in, in the American League with two guys on the left side of the infield, do you want to screw it up and bring in a guy that could even be a disaster in the clubhouse? I just I don't, don't think you're making it. your argument. I don't think you're making your argument. I think I think the Indians know they have a contending team, even if you don't agree with that, and they're putting a guy at third base that they know what they're going to get. Look at the back of his baseball card. They have a chance to win. They can bring Yourself up anytime they want during the year. If he's not going to cover off the ball, they'll find a spot for him. But this team has a chance to win, and they're they're. I think they made the right move. This kid is going to be around for a long time. And if, if I have a, a, an option between a kid like that who hit 225 last year and a guy who's been to the playoffs, I think he's been to the playoffs, if I recall, six or seven times. This is a guy who's been... It's not been because of him. Oh, Dave. That's 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 ridiculous. It's, it hasn't been because of him. Well, he's been a, he's Mark, a very Carnella, Mark, he won the Dodger third base job because Casey Blake got injured. He has performed... Over 13 years in the big leagues, he's a proven commodity. It, 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 you're, you're not making any sense. This guy's been around for a while. He's not. And there. it's my point that the Indians won with Urshela at third. Didn't do it beforehand. So a guy, but, guy and, that's and, 225. And if they come out, if they come out, Mark, and they've got Uribe at third, and they stink up the joint for two months, and Urshela comes up in June like he did last year, and they end up doing the same doggone thing. You know, there are guys, Mark. Here, here's a guy, and I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing him. But Brooks Robinson was the same way. Boy, Brooks Robinson didn't have great stats, but boy, you want to talk about war. His win, his wins over replacement. I don't know what it is, but it had to be unbelievable. Well, Brooks Robinson didn't have great stats. He was a winner. Dave, you can beat this till you know the cows come home. Uh, I disagree. I think the Indians made the right move. I think they're much better than you're you're letting on they are. And we just spent 30 minutes going over this thing that I think you're absolutely wrong. I thought you were wrong 30 minutes ago, and you're not going to convince me in 30 more minutes that you're right. And you're not going to convince me in 30 more minutes that I'm not, yeah. I'm not right because I was, I was saying the same thing last year about Francisco Lindor that he won the starting shortstop's job. And I still contend that the Indians sending him down to the minor leagues cost them a playoff berth a year ago. All right. Let's move on to the, let's move on to the Reds. Iglesias is going to be their opening day starter, correct? That's correct. <laughs> Let's move on. No, no okay. I, no, no, well, let me ask you this, and, and and I'm going to kind of go back on the Urshela argument, but okay, a little bit. Iglesias' stats during spring training were not that bad, and there were about three guys that they were trying to choose from between uh, those three as to who there was going to be their opening day starter. Well, Di Scalfani has uh, a torn, not torn, uh, an oblique problem. So that's why they, they moved him back. It's not because he did not perform well or Iglesias performed better. Uh, but I'm telling you, when you have Rocio Iglesias, who, as I mentioned last week, he was a tenant in my condo in Cincinnati last year. And uh, 
he, I think he's going to be a, a good pitcher for the Reds over a long period of time. He reminds me of a young Mario Soto. If he can control his changeup, he, he, he's got great stuff. But if he's your number one pitcher, you're, you're really on the precipice of losing 110 games this year. This team, this team can lose a whole bunch of games. And this could be one of the ugliest seasons in, in history for the Reds. The worst season they ever had, they lost 101 games in 1982. They could eclipse that this year. And I think it's, it's highlighted by the fact that Rocio Iglesias, who I think is going to be a fine pitcher someday, uh, is your opening day starter. And he's, you know, arguably your number one starter. And did he earn it in spring training? No, he didn't pitch that many innings. But the Reds believe in him long term. And over the last two years, uh, he, he's performed. Uh, but they're making decisions that are different. They are different right. than the Indians are making. That is my point. The Reds are starting what really is a rookie opening day. He did he pitched last year, but he was up and down several times. Uh, the, the Reds can do that. The Indians can't. Well, with everything being even, who is their ace? Well, you tell me. <laughs> because well, I, I, based upon what happened last year, I would say it's Dees Clafani. Yes, I, but you know he was nine and fourteen last year, and he had a four oh five ERA. He didn't exactly, you know. Set, but Mark, so was Corey Kluber. Why well, no? But there was a different look at the, the stats behind the stats. I agree, but you know, Disclafani, this was his first real year of being a starting pitcher. Yeah, I, I think he is your number one pitcher, but on most pennant contending teams, where do you think he would fit in in the Indians rotation? Five, maybe. He, he may not make the rotation with the. Well, that and that's that's definitely a possibility. I, that's why I thought about I thought about five. You know, I, I kind of like his talent over a Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer has got great talent, but he's got a ten cent head, which has always been his problem. So you can, you might be able to fit him in at number four with the Indians. I'm not going to say he would be, but you know, I, I do like Discafani's talent. Well, I, I do too, but he hasn't proved it yet, and that's what the Reds are going to be doing this year. They're, they're going to be running a lot of uh, Iglesias types out there, uh, but they're, they're starting rotation. They, they got five guys hurt that, that could be their starting rotation at the end of the year, including Homer Bailey. So the second half of the year, the Reds might be okay, but I think where I maybe underestimated them is offensively. I mean, I think this team's going to score some runs this year. And if Jay Bruce can continue what he's doing in spring training, they say he's changed his approach. I hope to God that's true. Uh, he's going to left field. He's dropping bunts. He's getting on base. You know, if he could, if Jay Bruce could hit 275, 280, and hit 30 home runs, this team has a chance to score a whole bunch of runs. And you know what's impressive about Bruce? I'm looking at his stats here. He's batting 326. Here's what's impressive. In 46 at-bats during spring training, Mark, he's only struck out seven times and he's walked five. Yeah, that, that's what they say. I, I heard Marty Brenneman talking about this the other day, that he shortened his stroke, especially with two strikes, and he's getting the bat on the ball. And that's the difference between a guy hitting two 15 or 218 that he did the last couple of years and hitting 270, 280. He's going to hit home runs. He'll hit you 25 or 30 home runs for sure. But I think offensively the Reds have a chance to be a much, much better team than they were last year. Now that's assuming everybody's healthy. But you've got Devin Mesoraco coming back. If he can play 100 games this year, 115 games, he can hit 25, 30 home runs. They didn't have that at catcher last year. You got Suarez at third base. I think he's going to have a better year than Todd Frazier had last year. You got Kozart coming back. You've got a left fielder, uh, a left field tandem out there that, that, that I think can hit 25, 30 home runs. So I think power wise, the Reds have a chance to, to, to really do quite well this year. And the question is, are they going to get anybody out? And me, well, and, and and they could conceivably be a better defensive team than they were two, three years ago. Oh, I think they will be. I think their defense will be better. I think Suarez will be better. I mean, he's a shortstop. You, you can make the argument he's going to be better than Frazier was at third base. Frazier was okay. He wasn't a gold glove guy, but he was good. Uh, so 
this Pravaza guy playing uh, the infielder they got from the Dodgers, uh, he can play center field. And he's going to be a much better offensive player than Billy Hamilton. So there's a lot of reason for optimism uh, with with the Reds in terms of their ability to score runs this year. Uh, the question is going to be uh, with this with the starting rotation and and the and the bullpen. I'm just not convinced that they're going to get anybody out this year. What is the situation in center? Will it be Peraza? Will it be Hamilton? Or could it be somebody else? Oh, it, Schlieber could play uh, center field. He's he's played center field before. So there's going to be a mix and match out there, I believe. Uh, Peraza could be, you know, a, a guy who could really add something to this offense. He's not quite as fast as Billy Hamilton, but he's fast. He's going to steal. He'll steal you 30 bases, 40 bases maybe. Now Hamilton could steal you 80 if he gets on. But right now his his on base percentage this spring is 181, and he's got five hits in 10 games. I mean, he's he's just not he, he's not hitting. He, he hasn't he's never hit. So you know, you talk about making a decision, of putting your best team out there. Why would you assume that Billy Hamilton, after five years with the Reds, three years in the minors and two years up with the Reds, all of a sudden is going to hit? He's not. He's not going to hit. His his idea of hitting will be in what would be a big increase for him. Would be to hit 235. Now, do you want your leadoff hitter hitting 235? No. Okay, I don't either. I don't care how good he is in defense. I mean, you, you, there are guys out there who can hit you 270, 280, play almost as good a defense, and that's where war comes in because you, it factors everything in your, your contribution to your team, and I, I just don't think that he's a guy that I want in my starting rotation, my starting lineup. So right now, who are the top four starters that the Indians or the the Reds will be using to start the year? <laughs> well, it's a good question because everybody's hurt. Now they they got Alfredo Simon back from Detroit, uh, and he's pitched very well. The only two outings now they said he's stretched out, and he's going to be starting I think the second or third game of the year uh, for the Reds. So you've got Alfredo Simon, Rasiel Iglesias, Di Scalfani. As your top three and everybody else, Moscot is hurt. Uh, they said he'll, he'll miss the rotation in that. Don't forget the first two weeks of the season, you only need four pitchers. You don't need. Five. Right. So you're going to be able to get through, a, you know, a mix and match. But, uh, right now there's nobody that, uh, beyond that, that, that it's a lead pipe cinch. They're going to be in the rotation and the Reds just have to tread water until they get Homer Bailey. So how long is Di Sclafani out? Well, they said he's only going to miss a start. But he, okay. he, he gave up eight runs the other day and four home runs in one game. And he, he's your number one starter. That, that was last week. Now, if that's your number one starter, you've got some problems. You, you really – and then the rest – the Reds signed Ross Ollendorf over the weekend. I saw that. 32 years old, left-hander. He's, he's been a journeyman. He started in the past. Maybe they think they need help or he could be middle relief. I don't know. I mean, if you're rebuilding, why not bring up Robert Stevenson and let him start? In fact, he's starting tonight. And if he, I'm kind of surprised that they, they sent him down so soon. Well, he, he didn't pitch well, number one, but don't forget, he is part of that situation where if you bring, if you just wait, I think it's two weeks, mid, mid April or late April, then bring him up, you save a year of arbitration. And I agree with that. I, I wouldn't do that. Why would you give up a year, you know, a year of our, of control of the player over two weeks, especially for a pitcher? He might miss two starts. That's it. So they might bring Stevenson up. It'll be very interesting to see what happens tonight. Because if he pitches well and there's more injuries on this red starting rotation, you might see him uh, come up sooner than you might think. Mark, Will Venable was dropped by the Indians, and then Lonnie Chisenhall, who was slated to be their right fielder this year, came down with a forearm injury, so he's on the DL to start the season, which means that the right fielder for the Indians this year is going to be the left fielder for the Reds last year in Marlon Bird. What is Marlon Bird done? 
Tell me a little bit about him and what he's going to bring to this team. I like Marlon Bird. He got off to a horrible start last year, which really statistically skewed his numbers. You take his April out, and he hit something like 278. Uh, he had over 20 home runs, drove in 65, 70 runs. He, he really played well for the Reds. He, he's, he's a decent uh, – I mean, this guy used to play center field, so he's a very good corner outfielder. I like him. He's a professional hitter, gives you a good at bat. And if he gets off to a good start this year, I think you're going to be very happy with his performance. Well, as long as they can put him sixth or seventh in the lineup, I'm happy. If they're going to put him third, fourth, or fifth, I think there's going to be some problems there. Tyler Naquin, I think he's going to be the Indians' center fielder. But left field is is kind of up for grabs. Mark Rajay Davis seems to have the inside track on that now as far as left field is concerned, because Michael Brantley, whom all winter long they said after the shoulder surgery was not going to be on the opening day roster, he would probably be back around May 1st. Well, then he started feeling good. He started pushing it. The Indians let him push it, and he suffered a setback, and now it appears that he's not going to be back until May 1st again, which means Rajay Davis is going to be in left field. So the Indians have gone from a, a very good defensive outfield to maybe a suspect defensive outfield, Mark. We don't know. Well, you have to discern the difference between an injury and pain. You know, playing through pain and playing with an injury are two different things. And, you know, I think with with what's happening with Brantley, uh, I don't think he's injured from what I read, that he you know, he's sore coming back from surgery, which is understandable. And, and that's what they're saying about Billy Hamilton, by the way. Uh, so, you know, I, I think he'll be okay. And he's, you don't want to, you don't want to put him in a position where you, you can't play halfway when you go out there on a major league roster. And these guys are very competitive and they're going to go out there and, and, and play a hundred percent. So you've got to make sure they're healthy. And so I, I think the Indians did a wise thing by backing off. And, and probably he's going to come back at the time they originally thought he would come back anyway. All right, Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Give me your starting lineup for the Reds on opening day. Your starting lineup. Uh, okay. Uh, Peraza in center field. Suarez at third base. Vado at first. Miserocco hitting fourth, catching. Uh, Jay Bruce hitting fifth in right field. Brandon Phillips hitting sixth. Uh, wow, you're going to drop him that far. Yeah. Um, then you got left field. Schlieber, I think, in left field. Uh, Zach Kozar hitting eighth. And Iglesias pitching. So that would be your – now, where does that differ from what do you think the Reds are going to do? Well, the left field, depending on who, who's pitching for the Phillies, you might have uh, – what's his name? The kid they signed uh, – his, his name is escaping me right now. They got him in a trade from the Giants last year. He, he's having a good a good spring. You talking about Duvall? Yeah, Duvall. Yeah, he may be your left fielder. And, uh, that, that kid has some power, I'm telling you, Dave. He can, he can rake. Now, can he make contact? I don't know, but he, he can hit a ball a long way. So those two, Schlieber and him might, you know, platoon in left field, but I would hit them down in the lineup at the beginning of the year, give them a break. Don't put them in positions where they can fail early on and get down on themselves. So I'd hit them sixth or seventh. Uh, I don't think Brandon Phillips, uh, fits into the top five. I, I don't know where you, where would you hit him? I mean, he's, I, I think he has to be sixth, uh, or seven, maybe even seventh. I, I don't know. But if you're going to have some speed at the top of the lineup, uh, Suarez is a great number two hitter. Peraza would be a great leadoff hitter. You're not going to move Joey Votto. Mezzarocco is your, absolutely your number four hitter. And then Jay Bruce, would you put Phillips ahead of Bruce? I wouldn't. So I don't know where else you put Phillips. All right. Now, if Mark Donahue is the manager of the Reds, then who's your, right now, the way it sits, who's your starting rotation? 
Uh, well, I'll tell you, if it was me, if it was Mark Donahue in charge, uh, I would have Tony Singrani in the starting rotation. Uh, they got him in, in, you know, in relief, and I, I would have had him in my starting rotation. He's got too good of stuff. Let him go out there and get ripped, you know, the first few times if that's the case. This guy's got a, he's got a great arm, and I, I'm afraid they're going to do the same thing with him they did with Chapman. Uh, and and you starting rotation is so much more valuable than the bullpen. But I would have Singrani in there. I would have when he's healthy, Homer Bailey, uh, Di Scalfani. Iglesias, and then the number five starter. I don't know, Dave. I, I don't know. No, uh, Simon it has to be Simon. What about Cody Reed? Where, where is he at in this? He's in this he's he's sent down, and the same thing applies to him as it did to Robert Stevenson. That they're they're going to keep him down there for the first two weeks. But I tell you, I saw that guy pitch. He, he's a stud. I mean, the, he, that that guy. He's six foot five. He looks bigger than that to me. Looks like he weighs 235, 240. And he's got a, he's got a nasty attitude. I mean, he's, he's got. He does. He does. I agree with you. Uh, and he, he's got, he's not going to back down from anybody. And if you're left-handed and that dude's coming at you with his stuff, uh, he's going to get your attention. So, uh, he, he's, he's a guy two years from today, we're going to say, who's your starting uh, opening day pitcher? It's going to be Cody Reed. Talk to me about Lorenzen. How's his arm? Well, we'll find out, I think on Thursday is what everybody's saying, that Dr. Krimchak will do an evaluation of him. They say it's not an injury, but Dave, you and I have heard this for a decade. Oh, sure. You know, he's got elbow problems. Okay, what's that mean? Well, it means Tommy John surgery. Normally it means that. So I hope that's not the case. But he's another guy who was supposed to be in your starting rotation, and he's hurt. So uh, who knows? And if he wasn't going to be in the rotation, he would have been a great arm out of the bullpen. So it, it's it's really tough. Moscot's been hurt. Uh, Discafani's now hurt. Uh, all of them are hurt. <laughs> I mean, if we're not even into the season, and all of them are hurt. What what about Sampson, Hayes, Villarreal, and Melville? Remember what I said about you you you. Earn your way onto a team on what you've done over the previous four or five years. You don't do it in spring training. These guys, year after year, guys, every guy you mentioned, and Hayes is the exception because he's never been, he hasn't been called up. But these guys have been hammered. Villarreal last year, all I heard about was how good his stuff was. Dave, that guy got pulverized every other time he went out there. So why are you hanging your hopes on a guy like that? Uh, Hayes is unproven, and there's nobody that the Reds have. They don't have one top ten prospect that is going to be in the starting rotation or, or be on the lineup except Peraza. And I don't even know if he's in the top ten. But the Reds have a lot of young, good players at A-ball, but nobody at double-A and, and nobody at triple-A. That's ready to come up and help this team. Well, the funny thing is, is that, you know, I spent two days down in Cincinnati, Mark, and I heard more baseball talk in those two days than I have in the last month up here in Cleveland. And the one thing that I kept hearing was they're expecting Homer Bailey to be back around May 1st. Is that the case? Yeah, in fact, he's ahead of schedule. They said he could come back, you know, in maybe the last week in April or maybe even mid-April. He, physically, he's fine. He's throwing well. But again, there's, there's no reason to take a chance. Now, this is interesting. I, I read an article about that, I think on Saturday, that they named all the pitchers who had Tommy John surgery who came back throwing harder than they did before surgery. And they say right now, Homer Bailey is really throwing well. And, and maybe he's been nursing that thing for, you know, a couple years. But if, you know, I don't know if you've ever pitched or not, but you know, you cannot throw 100% when you're when you're you're a pitcher. You can't. You can't throw 100% all the time. In fact, you seldom throw 100%. You throw 75, 80%. And if you got a rare back, maybe you get it up to 90%. But it's so much stress on your arm. I'm really anxious to see what Bailey can do because, you know, the Reds signed him to a hundred million dollar contract over seven years, and uh, this guy is a number one starter if he's healthy. 
Well, Mark, you asked about my pitching prowess. Let me tell you. When I was in Little League, I threw a one-hitter. Now, the only reason I didn't get another start was because I walked 17 in, during that one-hitter. <laughs> so that's the reason I never got another start. That was that was the beginning and the end of my pitching career. <laughs> hey, Dave, by the way, before we get off, I, I want to say hello to a couple friends of mine that happened to be together down in Florida this week. Uh, Linda Jordan, who is our, our favorite our favorite stalker. Our favorite stalker. Uh, she, she's always giving us grief about something that we say and reminding us of all the bad things we say. And then a friend of mine that I played ball with for years, basketball, baseball, tennis, you name it, golf. We've, we've played a lot of sports and he's a very good athlete. His name is Tom Patrick. Tom played college basketball and baseball and football. He's really a, a gifted athlete. But I, Dave, let me ask you something. Have you ever had somebody that you know, you respect, but they dwell on the past. Have you ever had a guy like that? Oh yes. Okay. Yes. Well, you know, get over it. Yeah, get over it. it, it I, I think that's the, the, the point of my my statement here is Tom, get over it. And let me give you some backstory, Dave. Uh, back in 1986. 86. Uh, 1986. The Reds, <laughs> Tom and I went to the Reds Dream Week. Okay. Now, first of all. We were the my team. If you ever been to a Dream Week, you're you're broken down into teams. And by the way, folks, it's it's a lot of fun to do that. Well, my team, uh, we beat the Reds. We're the only team since they began Dream Weeks that have ever beaten the Reds in the championship game. And I have to say, I pitched that game, beat them three to two. And I remember uh, striking out Wayne Krinchicki, who was on the Reds. Oh my gosh, I remember that name. Yeah, he, he was actually on the Reds roster. And they were short on players. They brought him in, and I struck him out on a slider. Anyway, during that that week, now who's not getting over it? Well, that was that was fun. <laughs> Striking out a major leaguer was cool. Anyway, uh, earlier in the week, uh, Tom Patrick again. He and I have been friends for a long time, which makes it more fun. Uh, we faced each other. He, he came up with the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth inning, and I was pitching, and bases loaded, two out. Well, Dave, of course, I struck his butt out on, on, a, on a slider that clearly, clearly caught the corner. And to this day, Dave, or Tom brings up the fact that that was a ball and he should have walked and should have tied the game. Well, you can't go back. You can't change it. It's in stone. And so I wanted you to tell Tom what you just told him, which was? Get over it. Get over it. But it also brings up another question. You know, one of the fundamentals on a 3-2 pitch with the bases loaded, it's what they get all over Joey Votto about. Expand your strike zone, for crying out loud. Exactly. If it's that close, you shouldn't be taking it. That's exactly right. <laughs> what, what? Get over it. That should be the... That's that's a great song. Who did that? Uh, I don't I don't know. Don Henley did remember. Don Henley did that. Get over it. Anyway, yeah, that's my, that's right. It was Don Henley. That's my homage to Tom Patrick and Linda Jordan. So hope you guys are having fun down there, and uh, maybe I'll come down to visit sometime. You know, there is somebody, Mark, on the waiver wire that could help the Reds out. Nick Swisher was cut by the Braves yesterday. Oh gosh, yeah. Let's sign him to another thirteen million dollars a year, six-year contract. That was that was smart. Nick Swisher is actually available. Do you think anybody will pick him up? I think somebody will. Yeah, I think the 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 team from Japan, the Tunas, I think they may pick him up. Mark, were you amazed at the story that came out last week that Barry Bonds went head-to-head with Giancarlo Stanton in a home run hitting contest and Bonds won it? He won at five to three, and they said that the, he was hitting absolute bombs. And they actually talked about that on, I forget what sports show I was watching, about could he come back as a DH? And they asked him about it, and it reminded me, <laughs> I can't, I don't think I can use the language here, but, uh. No, be careful. Yeah. It's a family show. It's a family show. But he, he, he made a comment like the one Ty Cobb made 
You remember that oh. when, when he's yes. <laughs> they asked Ty Cobb uh, about the pitching. How would you hit against the pitching of today? And he said, "Well, I'd probably hit 275, 280." And they said, "What, Cobb? You, you had a 367 lifetime batting average. You mean you couldn't hit that well against this pitching of today?" He goes. I'm 76 blanking years old. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, and Barry Bonds is 51. He's 51 years old. They make a big deal about how, you know, they say he was on the juice, was he, wasn't he, doesn't matter. The guy is still in great shape. Yeah, I think if he, if he came back and even hit 250 and hit 15 home runs or something like that, he would prove his point. And you know, you and I have had this disagreement for years. I, I contend <clears throat> that steroids does not enhance your performance that much. If it does anything, it enhances your healing ability. I agree with that. Uh, because I, you know, I, I've seen too many guys who can come back physically where they couldn't normally if it, they weren't on steroids. But performance wise, I've never been a believer that it's going to enhance your performance that much. And even if it did, it's a subjective evaluation of how much it, it would help. So a lot of guys, you look at Conseco, uh, his performance went down with steroids because he got too big, he got too muscle-bound, and it slowed his bat speed down. So a lot of bad things can happen with steroids. And uh, who was the third baseman for the for the, for the the uh, Astros who was on the juice? And, oh, Caminiti. Caminiti, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stories about out there uh, – the guys whose performances were actually negatively impacted by steroids as much as they were helped. Mark, the schedule in the last week of spring training always gets a little goofy. The, uh, of course, the Reds are playing tonight against Milwaukee. Then they're going over to Milwaukee in Arizona tomorrow. Then they've got the White Sox. Then they play Cleveland. And then they've got a couple of games this weekend that they they play for example, they're playing at Pittsburgh on Saturday. You know, it's one one of those goofy situations. So that's the way the Reds are going to uh, round out the week as far as their last week of spring training. The Indians, on the other hand, they're doing pretty much the same thing. They're actually playing, Mark, this week. They're playing the Dodgers a couple of times, the Angels, Seattle. Like I said, Cincinnati on Thursday and then this weekend – they're going to Texas for some reason. I don't know why they're playing at Texas on Friday and Saturday. They'll play down there in 80-degree weather and then come back to Cleveland when it will be in sub-40-degree temperatures, and everybody will catch a cold and they'll get off to another slow start. But nonetheless, what are these teams trying to do during the last week of spring training heading into opening day on Monday? Well, again, Dave, it's, it's completely different for the two teams we're talking about. The Cleveland Indians... They're in a position, they have to get their starting rotation, their starting players ready for opening day. When the bell starts, they got to hit it running. The Reds are still trying to get their roster down. They don't even know what their 25-man roster is today. The Indians do. The Indians know because, again, they're a contender. The Reds have no clue. They're, right now, there's seven or eight spots that are completely up in the air for the Reds. So the Reds have to make decisions about who is going to be on the roster to begin with. And there's there's some big decisions. Juan Duran, I think, is the guy who the Reds had huge money invested in him, and he's just never performed. Well, if they don't carry him on the 25-man roster, he's gone. He becomes a free agent. He's a Rule 5 player. He's a Rule 5. So he's going to be a guy who has to uh, – they have to either say yes or no to him in the next five days. So it's different for the two teams, and I wish the Reds were a more stable, settled organization, but alas, they are not. Well, our prediction show is next week. Of course, it's going to be after both teams play their first game in the afternoon, but nonetheless, you know, it's just one game out of 162. And You ready for another year? I am, and I think you do owe me three or four stakes now, but I don't hold a grudge. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to remember that. All right, Mark. Next week, the preview show. It's going to be fun. We'll see you then. Have a good one. 
Our thanks to Greg Mitchell for producing tonight's show. And, of course, don't forget our preview show next week, next Monday night at 9 o'clock here on UltimateSportsTalk.com with another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Our thanks to Mark Donahue for joining us again here this evening, but most of all, our thanks to you for listening here tonight. Until next Monday night at 9 o'clock, for Mark, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good night, everybody. The Wiz Kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it. And Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski camping now.